Okay, friends, I've got some quick expo news for you before we get to this week's episode. World Dairy Expo is currently searching for its next communications manager and therefore host of The Dairy Show. So if you have ever dreamed of working for World Dairy Expo of hosting this podcast, now is your chance. Go visit WorldDairyExpo.com, look for the careers tab, and review the position description posted there. I can confidently say through years of experience that working for World Dairy Expo is an incredible opportunity, and the team that puts it together is truly, truly world-class. But until the search is complete, I will continue bringing you episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month here on The Dairy Show. So without further ado, this week's episode. From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone, and happy holidays. I am your host, Katie Schmidt. And this week for the podcast, we have Sarah Linus joining us from New Jersey. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Now, listeners, this is a really fun one for me because Sarah actually is a listener just like all of you and reached out to me about being a guest on the show. And she's got a really cool story to share with all of us. So Sarah, without further ado, I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit and share some of your background uh, in your connection to agriculture. Sure. This is, uh, I love sharing our story. So just for context, um, my husband and I have a dairy farm in New Jersey and uh, we are two years into operating our own on-farm creamery. So that's where this, you know, our story is kind of heading, but my background um, is maybe a little different, but I think it's pretty common in New Jersey where we're from um, just because it's a little bit of a different ag and dairy environment in New Jersey. So my parents uh, grew up in suburban New Jersey, kind of in like the north out, outskirts of like New York City area, and moved out to the western side of New Jersey, which is where we are kind of along the Delaware River. Um, and that corridor of New Jersey tends to be pretty rural. So I was really fortunate to grow up there. And um, we grew up right across the street from a dairy farm. So I was exposed to that. They had that family had kids similar in age to me, my siblings. So we were, you know, over there playing and my story really started when I begged my parents, like, please put me in the Dairy 4-H club. And I don't really think they understood like what I was asking. But um, to their credit, they were like, sure, let's let's go. You're in. So I was very fortunate to be growing up in an area that had a really robust 4-H program and FFA program. So I got involved uh, with that early on just because all my friends were doing it. So, right, it was the cool thing to do. And I was hooked. Like no one in my family did this, right? There was no background in it, but I loved it. I was like, this is it. This is what I love. I can't explain it, but I'm here. I, I didn't even really know like the full scope of the dairy industry or showing cows or any of that. But I just, what I was experiencing in 4-H, I loved it. So, you know, I got involved in the dairy princess program and made my way through college and then law school and just tried to stay involved. I didn't really know what that would look like. I just knew I, I loved it and I wanted to stay involved. And through some of the like volunteer work I was doing, I met my now husband, Dan, who um, grew up very different than me. He grew up crop farming and uh, raising beef cattle with his family. And he went to Delaware Valley University and got the dairy bug there um, because some of his friends in college 
uh, were dairy kids and um, he graduated and built his uh, dairy barn that we now operate out of. And then he and I found our way to each other. And it was this like weird, two random people in New Jersey who didn't come from a dairy background, but ended up loving it. And um, now here we are and we're uh, trying to make the best of what we got. And uh, I think so far it's going well. And now we're operating our creamery. Okay, so there's a lot that I want to walk through in what you just briefly covered Sarah but I'm going to start with the the state of dairy and agriculture in New Jersey because you said it was very different than I'm going to assume what it is like here in Wisconsin but also where I grew up in Minnesota so walk us through what dairy specifically or even agriculture looks like in New Jersey or where you're at right along that that border the one really cool thing about New Jersey agriculture generally is there's so much diversity we have a wide variety of produce uh, operations, um, a bunch of lives, different type of livestock operations, and then some dairy farms. The interesting thing though, was that most, if not all of our farms are maybe what I would call like smaller, right? There's really no, um, large, truly large scale operations just because, um, like spacing in New Jersey is a big issue. Um, so there's just so much diversity and what that has led to. And, you know, it's kind of what I was saying about spacing, right, is a, a downside. But the nice thing is there's a lot of people. So a lot of New Jersey agriculture is direct to consumer based. So you see a lot of people that aren't necessarily farming maybe the way we were uh, a couple of years ago. A lot of people are turning to the direct to consumer model. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's a way that New Jersey agriculture can stay uh, relevant, uh, which, which is fun. Yeah, so let's think about the the farm, Spring Run Dairy. Because you and Dan both kind of walked into the dairy industry, you didn't grow up in it, which I think is fantastic. When did the farm start? How did it grow? What does it look like today? Sure. So Dan's paternal grandparents uh, actually bought this farm in the 80s. Um, his grandfather always loved that sort of lifestyle, even though he didn't grow up in it. And um, so Dan's grandfather is still here. He, um, we call him the supervisor of the farm. He rides around on his golf cart. He's 95 and he, um, he still fixes stuff for us. But anyway, so they purchased the farm in the eighties in Pittstown, New Jersey, and made a go out of, you know, farming. And then Dan's dad at the time brought his beef cattle there and, you know, they did their thing. They were um, growing crops. They had beef cattle there, they ended up building a couple of outbuildings. And then the conversation uh, when Dan graduated was, all right, this is, you know, I, I want to um, be the next generation on the farm and I want to build a dairy barn. Can I do that? And here's what I'm thinking. And uh, it's been pretty interesting because there were no, there was no infrastructure for a dairy on this farm when his grandparents bought it. It was a, an old farmhouse and there was an old dairy barn, which is really cool, but it wasn't modern or functional. So that, that was it. So his dad added a couple of buildings, like a shop, and then slowly we've added the necessary infrastructure for a dairy. Um, we still have a little work to do, but it's pretty cool to see some of the old pictures of, of what it used to be like. And, and then to see it now as, as a modern dairy facility is, is really cool. So as a direct-to-consumer model now, in two years into that, what does that market look like? Like, how many cows are you milking? How is that functioning? Right now, we milk 50 cows, plus or minus a few, depending on, you know, what's going on. When we started, we 
so I'll give a, a little backstory. It was, um, you know, March, April, 2020, uh, right when quarantine and COVID started and I was finishing up my last year of law school and my school shut down. So I was home and we had all of this time, right? Nowhere to go, nothing to do. So Dan and I spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about what the future of this dairy was going to be for us because, you know, expansion is not really an option in New Jersey. Um, you know, maybe a little bit, but not, not anything, you know, more than what we have really. So we spent a lot of time talking about like, how are we going to make this work? What are we going to do? And I think a creamery was probably always where we'd end up. We just needed the time to like really sit down and think about it. And at the same time during this quarantine COVID period, we really saw like a big uptick and the, I guess maybe an appreciation for the direct to consumer market that was around us. So we kind of just, we were like, this is it. It's now or never, like we'll never have more time on our hands than we do right now to like get started. So we did it. We, we, you know, kind of pulled the trigger on it and, um, we started slow. We ran like very conservative numbers on how many days we thought we'd bottle. Um, we are not, we don't bottle all of our milk right now. I'm not sure if we ever will. That would be a lot of milk for us to bottle. But right now, fast forward two years later, we're bottling five days a week. Um, we have a pretty good mix of wholesale and retail. So we do send uh, milk to like other local markets. Um, we have a couple of people that take our milk to markets for us just because that's a whole process with logistics that we can't necessarily handle right now. Uh, and then we do have an on-farm store, which has been a really cool like bonus piece of this creamery that we've started. So can you walk us through the process of starting the creamery and starting the processing? Like what was step one beyond saying, hey, we want to do this? So the first thing that we really thought about and talked about was what how, like what does a cream on-farm creamery look like? And we're really fortunate. Um, about an hour and a half north of us is another dairy farm that uh, has an on-farm creamery. So we knew that he would be a good resource and he, his name is Pete Southway. He is the nicest guy ever. And Dan reached out to him and said, Hey, this is what we're thinking about. Can I, can I pick your brain? Like, where do we start? And the first piece of the conversation was, are we going to build a building? Uh, we happened to see actually on Facebook, there's a company in New York called Don's Dairy Supply and they retrofit these shipping containers um, and make them like into commercial kitchens or creameries. And we saw that and um, it was a very affordable way to like break into a creamery. And actually we bought a used shipping container. Someone else had built or, you know, ordered it, built it to their specifications and ended up, it didn't work out for them. So we were like, well, this is great, right? It's like affordable. It fits our numbers. It's a good, like low cost way for us to get into this and see do we like it? Does it work? And um, something we were very concerned about was putting, you know, all of this time and effort and money into like building a facility. And what if this didn't work for us? You know, I did some preliminary polls on like our Facebook town group, like, would you want to buy local milk? Right. But that doesn't actually translate into orders. So we decided that this shipping container method was the best way for us to get into it. And, you know, if down the road we needed to build something, we definitely could do that. Um, the shipping container is mobile. Theoretically, you could pick it up tomorrow and move it. So we took a drive up to Don's Dairy and they gave us a tour and we talked to them and we talked to a couple of other people that use this model and we were sold. So we ordered it and uh, 
basically all you have to do is get like some sort of foundation built. So we poured a concrete pad and we had some, you know, water and electric hookups and the truck dropped off this refurbished shipping container and and that was our creamery. And then, you know, then we had to actually figure out like how to use the equipment and um, our department of ag and department of health was fantastic in walking us through all of the approvals and, and, and what that looked like. And it was kind of new for them too, because we're only the second dairy farm in New Jersey right now to be doing this. So it was like a mutual learning process, which was nice. But I would say once we picked the shipping container model, the next steps fell through there. And Dan's mom, uh, Nancy, was really great in helping us figure out, figuring out like, okay, if we bottle this many times a week, here's our bottle cost, here's our cap cost, right? Like she's the numbers person and really worked with us to figure out like actually and logistically how to make this work with like how many bottles of milk do we need to move off the farm to, to like make this functional. So that was probably the next big hurdle after figuring out like just what our actual creamery would look like. What does the market research look like going into a process like this or into a project like this? For us, maybe I shouldn't admit this, we didn't do a ton of pre-market research other than our own like observational, I guess, efforts. We did talk to, again, this guy, Pete Southway, about, you know, what his market looked like, looked like up in North Jersey and you know, he gave his insights. So we're, where we're located, it's along the Delaware River in western uh, New Jersey. But we are surrounded by, you know, although we're rural, we are surrounded by a lot of people and just the demographics of those people we thought would mesh well with maybe a like direct-to-consumer higher price point milk product. Um, so we thought we'd have that working in our favor. And this, this dairy farmer, Pete, you know, kind of agreed with us that we were thinking about it the right way. And a lot of the market research we did was we like put together an informational brochure. We kind of like got our elevator pitch together and uh, we just went to like local markets. And luckily because uh, Dan's family grew up in the ag space around here, his dad had a lot of connections at like local markets and people. And we just approached them and said, Hey, this is what we're doing. You know, would you be interested in carrying our product? Do you think that's something you might want? And Uh, luckily they did. And then it grew from there. You know, we had other people reach out to us and they said, Hey, we heard you're doing this. We think this is like the piece we're missing in our farm store. Um, can we sell your product? So honestly, we didn't do a ton as far as like pulling our neighbors or anything like that. Um, we're just pretty fortunate that, that it worked out, but we did spend time thinking about if our local community was the type of people, or we could see having the interest in in purchasing a a local dairy product. And when did the farm store on site come into the picture? We opened the farm store in March of 2021. And I was really nervous about the farm store. And I I don't know if it's the lawyer in me, or maybe it's just um, my paranoia, but I was like we have to be prepared, right? People are going to come to our farm store and they're going to have, I guess I was proactively being defensive. I thought, right, maybe people would, I guess I was just nervous, right? To see what people's reaction would be. And I feel like sometimes in the dairy industry, we think that people are coming from a place, which sometimes they definitely are, where they maybe don't necessarily agree with 
what we're doing. And I was very nervous. You know, our, our farm store is up our farm driveway a little bit. So when you're there, you can see the farm, which we like to think is a good thing because we like to be transparent. But I just, I was like, oh man, I don't know about this. You know, how do we control people, what they see, what, where they go. And Dan's perspective was, well, let them see, right? Like we are doing everything right. We're confident in what we're doing. So this is the whole point, right? They should see what we're doing. So our farm store opened in March, 2021, and it started with just, you know, our milk and a couple of other things. And it's grown since we now offer eggs and some baked goods. But honestly, I think the, the thing that our farm store has done the best job of doing and what the most successful part of it has been, it, it is a conduit for us to meet the community. And every single person that comes, comes from a place of like genuine interest, genuine curiosity. And I was so wrong. I thought it was going to be tough. I thought people were going to be, you know, asking us the tough questions and trying to like trick us. And, you know, just that whole maybe misconception of, of like what consumers think of dairy. And, and I was wrong. People love it. And they ask questions and they genuinely want to know. And it's coming from a place of curiosity and they love what we're doing. And, um, now it's, you know, a year and a half later and we have like our regular families that come and they love it. And it's so amazing to talk to them. And I think that has been like the best added bonus to this because yes, it's great for our farm to have this creamery and hopefully it will keep our farm alive right for the next generation. But you know, this is really what my passion is, is the advocating and the educating and talking to people and this farm store has allowed us to do it because it brings people here and the people it's bringing are the people that genuinely want to know like what why are you doing this you know what's going on and it's not coming from a place of you know attacking they just love what's going on and they just want to know and it's really incredible to see and i'm so happy it's it's turned out that way have you opened the farm up then for formal tours along with the store hours or is it still just like, do you just come to the farm or do you get to do a tour too? So we don't have a formal tour program, like, you know, sign up for a tour, but what we have done, which I think has worked well is um, we've had two now two kind of like open house community days where Dan and myself and, you know, my parents and Dan's parents, just everyone that's involved, we commit, we're there for the day we do hay rides and tours of the property and we open up the barns and basically it's just a day for anyone to come and they can you know see everything and ask us questions and the first year we did it it was a little smaller and then the second year we invited a couple of other like local vendors who sell stuff through our farm store and added a few more things and then actually just this past weekend we started a new um Christmas with the cows event which kind of spiraled from a customer just asking if they could take picture like christmas card pictures with with a cow and we opened the farm up for the day and we had a little jersey calf available for pictures and and lots of other stuff and it turned into kind of like a second open house which we were not prepared for but it ended up being awesome so i think that model works best for us just because we're a little smaller um you know i work off the farm Dan does pretty much everything else on the farm and then write his parents help, but we're pretty small. We don't have a ton of help. So I think adding like regular tours would just, we're just not there yet. So like having set days seems to work for us, but we do recognize, I think it is important to open the farm if we're, if we're asking people to like trust us and buy this dairy product from us, it's only fair that we show them what's going on and answer their questions. Yeah, absolutely. 
So product side of things, you're bottling milk. What flavors, what offerings are you providing the community? So our main staple right now is fluid milk. We do white and chocolate in a variety of different sizes. And that's, you know, that that was the first product we did. Um, So that's, you know, kind of like our staple main product right now. We just launched sort of into ice cream. Neither Dan nor I know how to make ice cream. And I feel like nobody wants to eat bad ice cream. So we actually just partnered with um, a local ice cream shop. And I think this is great. They're like two miles down the road from us. It's another young guy. He hand makes like all of this amazing ice cream in his shop. So we now bring him our milk and he makes us ice cream that we can then sell in our farm store. And uh, I feel like it's the next best way, right? Because it's still our dairy product, but um, we're going to the professional. And I just love like the local piece of it that we're working with another local business. And then right now uh, we're in the middle of eggnog season. So uh, that's our our flavor of the uh, season is eggnog. And that seems to be a big hit. Uh, I guess before this, I didn't realize how how many people love eggnog, but <laughs> it's it's a, an in-demand product, I'll say that. So um, that's kind of where we are. I believe we've we've kind of settled on a, we're going to try for the first time, like a seasonal flavor that's not eggnog um, in the spring. I'm personally, I'm advocating for maple milk, but I may lose out to the... Uh, the orange creamsicle camp on the other side of the group. So I think but apparently they're both really good and, and people, people really want them. So we're, we're going to try. And then I'd say at some point um, we'd like to add cheese. I think that's probably like the next step for us. But again, I feel like cheese making cheese is an art form and uh, nobody wants to eat bad cheese. So before we start doing that, you know, one of us needs to learn how to make cheese or, or maybe we can find someone to bring in to make cheese for us. How did you learn how to mix milk or, or flavors in milk or bottle milk? Like what what resources did you go to to learn how to do just that part of the business? Uh, this is one really cool thing about the creamery is there's not like a formal course on how to make milk. So you have to rely on your fellow dairy men and women, which seems almost counterintuitive because they're also in the same business as you, but really they're the only ones that have this information. So this is why I think the dairy industry is so incredible because everyone is so nice and so helpful. So I was talking about Pete Southway in North New Jersey before. So he was instrumental to us in figuring out how to make our chocolate milk. Um, he was so open with us about like how he does it. And um, now we actually order together like a chocolate mix from a company. So we place our order together. It gets delivered. Like, you know, you know, he doesn't have to be that nice. And he just is. He didn't have to help us, but he did. And honestly, I don't know how we would have learned like without his guidance, frankly. Um, So that was really how we learned how to make our chocolate was just from another small dairy farm that's doing the same thing. And then um, there's another creamery actually in Maryland, Brooms Bloom, and they uh, are another family creamery. And uh, they, the two young women that work there, I picked their brain about eggnog. Um, And again, it's just, they don't have to be helpful, right? They don't have to help us, but they do. And it's so nice because They've been doing it for years and we're just starting. So they have all of this knowledge that we don't. And it's just so nice and generous of them to share it with us. And 
that's why I just, I love doing this because we've met so many amazing people and it blows me away every day, how helpful and open and honest people are. If you just ask them for help and just say, Hey, I I'm stuck. What's your experience share? And, and nine times out of 10 people will share and they like talking about it. So honestly, that's how we've learned. Most of it is just talking to others who, who are also doing it. Sure. What did you find to be the, the biggest challenge in the startup phase of the creamery? For us, the biggest challenge was definitely the technical part of operating a creamery. We got all of this equipment and it's simple in theory, right? You put the milk in the pasteurizer, you heat it up, you cool it and you bottle it. But I mean, I, to Dan's credit, he's really taken the lead on like learning the equipment and the intricacies of the pasteurizing process and the cooling process. So although Don's dairy was very helpful and in, in like guiding us from New York, right at the end of the day, like we're the ones in this creamery with this technical modern equipment that we have to ensure is functioning correctly. So it took us, we probably did a month's worth of like test batches before we officially opened to sell because we wanted to make sure what we were doing was right and it was working. So that was definitely the biggest challenge. And, you know, there's just not a ton of resources in New Jersey. There are people, there are other dairy farms, but not a ton. So sometimes it can feel like you're operating in the bubble. So it really felt like a lot of pressure, like, okay, like it's on us to figure this out and, and we have to be able to do it. And we have to be able to fix something if it breaks, because there's really nobody else around that can do it. So that was probably, and still is our biggest challenge is just being, um, you know, kind of the only source for, this creamery equipment expertise. If, if, if we can't fix it or we don't know how to work it, uh, we, I don't know, we have to call someone in and that's not, not always easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the infrastructure surrounding an industry is, is huge. What kind of advice would you give Sarah for someone who wants to start down this path of on-farm processing or even starting your own dairy? Like this is, we have so many like new pieces that come with your farm. So what's some advice that you would offer? The first piece of advice I would offer is just ask people. I think looking back, I think Dan and I could have asked more. And in the beginning stages, we were just afraid to because we didn't know how receptive people would be. But when we did, they were always receptive. So I think if you want to start a dairy, start a creamery, just ask people, how did you start? What are you doing? Um, where, what are the resources I can, I can look at? Um, I think it's even easier with social media. Now you could probably just go on Facebook or Instagram and search creamery and you know, who knows what would pop up. And in my experience, um, if you just ask and put yourself out there, people will help you. And if they don't know the answer or they don't have the information, they might know someone who does. Um, so I just think it's not being afraid to ask because by not asking, you're just not moving forward or you might spend you know, a week figuring out something that someone could help you solve in, in a matter of hours. So that I think is the most crucial piece of advice. And I have another... I don't know. It's tough. I have sometimes when people ask me this, I have two pieces, but I'll I'll share this other one since we talked a little bit about our backgrounds. But I, for a long time, 
also wasn't asking people for advice or help because I felt like I didn't belong because I didn't grow up on a farm and, you know, I didn't have all this knowledge and I felt like an outsider and which is on me and, you know, no one made me feel that way. It's just sometimes it can be intimidating to be breaking into an industry where you don't have like a lot of family history in it. And I learned that I should not feel that way and no one should feel that way because one of the things that makes the dairy industry so great is how welcoming and nice everyone is. So my other piece of similar advice is don't feel like you can't ask because you didn't have a certain similar background to someone else because I have found that it doesn't matter and nobody cares. And if you're asking because you genuinely want to learn or you're passionate about it, people can tell that and they don't care whether you grew up on a farm or not. They're just excited to share that information with you. So I sometimes also tell people, um, do not be like me. Don't be afraid to ask just because you didn't grow up on a farm. That is not that is not good and uh, nobody cares and people just want to share share their information and knowledge with you. Yeah, I, and you probably have shared experiences with those people regardless, even if it's not 100%, right? Like, I'm assuming you were a 4-H lease program kid, right? Is that how you got into it all? Yes. Yeah, yes. so like, there's shared experiences in that. Like, you were an FFA member, you know? You don't have to grow up on a farm, I think, to in order to connect with dairy producers, which is incredible. It makes my job hosting this podcast a lot of fun because... I don't, I don't know people when we get them on the show and we can still talk for a half hour about something and it's, it's great. It's great. You can always connect with people. Sarah, you mentioned social media and, you know, making those reach outs and that's how we connected was through social media. And so I was looking through Instagram because it seemed like a really good thing to do before I got on a microphone and recorded an episode with you. And what I was finding on your Instagram was this partnership that you have with the American Dairy Association Northeast. Can you explain what that is and how it came to be? So this program, it's a partnership that American Dairy Association Northeast does with producers in their region. And the objective is this program of this program is to give a variety and a diversity of producers and people involved in the dairy industry, the tools and resources to promote dairy. And so what this program, you know, for us has been, you know, extra tools to help us advocate for, you know, the benefits of dairy products and um, helping us find creative ways to showcase all of the amazing things that dairy farmers are doing. So for us, because we have a, you know, a commercial dairy farm in the creamery, um, the way we advocate is a little different than um, there's some other individuals in the program who have different backgrounds and they advocate differently. But at the end of the day, American Dairy Association Northeast is just trying to help us and give us the tools and resources to effectively share our story with a variety of consumers. So um, if I need help with content ideas, I can reach out to um, our two program coordinators, Emma and Kelsey, and they'll help help me brainstorm. They'll help with photos. Um, Sometimes they give us images. Um, We're about to start a Um, winter like holiday campaign with them. So they've done a lot of the work for us. So part part of it is just making advocating for dairy a little easier because we're all so busy. And the program for me started, you know, I've, I've worked with Emma before 
on a couple of different projects. Um, we did a virtual farm tour with American Dairy Association Northeast, and I've gotten to know some of them through our Dairy Princess program. And uh, so anyway, I was speaking with them and they just asked if I'd be interested in participating in this program. And I was because I, I love, uh, you know, the advocating and education piece. So really, it's just this nice partnership where we all have different audiences, right? Spring Run Dairy's audience in New Jersey is very different than maybe a participant in New York or Pennsylvania or Maryland. So it's just, you know, using our audience to help spread this dairy positive message and showcase all of the different things that producers do. And, and there's a variety of producers in this program from, you know, large to small to medium, creamery, no creamery, you know, full-time dairy farmers to, to moms and, um, it's just, it's a really fun program and, and it's a nice, you know, I think added touch to our presence to just help, help us remind people that, you know, dairy farmers do a lot of good for the world and, and they can look on our Instagram to, <laughs> to get the full story of how. So that I, I'm right on this. So the American Dairy Association Northeast, is that your regional checkoff, like local checkoff group? Yes. They cover uh, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, and I think part of Northern Virginia as well. They are all over in the Northeast. So that's fitting. Okay. So listeners, if you want to do something like this, check with your local checkoff, not uh, necessarily the Northeast one if you're not up there. But Sarah, is there anything else, you know, we're coming up on that, that half hour mark here. Is there anything else that you think we should talk about today as it relates to starting an on-farm processing, starting a dairy, even like the 4-H lease program. Like, I feel bad we didn't talk about that at all because I think it's fantastic that that's how you got your start in dairy. I'll put a plug in for that now. That will be my final comment. I just, um, I always like to showcase that program and I try to remember myself because I think there are maybe a lot of people out there like me who ha have this passion for dairy, but maybe wouldn't have known it or, you know, just don't know how to act on it um, because they didn't necessarily have the background. And if it weren't for programs like that and dairy farmers who participate in the lease program there, you know, I may never have ended up where I am. And um, I just, I owe a lot to that program. And I think um, as Dan and I continue with this farm and the creamery, it's um, really important to us. And especially for, you know, I think being a good you know, member of our community is to help and assist when we can and, and open our doors in the same way that I know people open their doors to me. And I'm just very appreciative of that. And I thank all of the dairy farmers or, you know, people involved in the industry in any way that give youth opportunities to do that. Because again, without that, I, I don't know where I would have ended up and I, I'm not sure I would have found this passion. And that would have been very sad because I pretty much spent all of my time thinking about milk and cows. So uh, <laughs> without that, where would I be? Um, so I just, you know, I appreciate everyone who does that because I think it's invaluable and you never know how someone's life might be changed by giving them the opportunity to, you know, lease a calf or participate in FFA or, or something like that. Yeah, that program has a soft spot in my heart, too. So uh, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's a perfect way to wrap this all up, Sarah. So uh, thank you so much for sharing time with us, for reaching out and for being a guest and happy holidays, happy new year. And hopefully we'll, we'll see you at some point at World Dairy Expo. Yes, hopefully. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. 
And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 